Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today we're talking energy and industrials. It is Thursday the 3rd of May and we'll be discussing home builder stocks. I'm your host Sarah Priestley and joining me on Skype is Molly Fool contributor Jason Hall. Jason, thank you for joining me today. I love being on the show with you, Sarah. It's so much fun. <laughs> I'll pay you later for that uh, kind words. Awesome. You can Venmo me the money. <laughs> yeah, Venmo. Wow. We could have a whole show just on Venmo. Um, <laughs> I'm personally just perturbed that it's already May. I feel like I'm going to blink and it's going to be November or something. Yeah, this this year is going by ridiculously mm-hmm. fast. It is. I, I've every like. I feel like I sound very old when I say that, but it's it's true nonetheless. It's just absolutely nuts. Well, Jason, you pitched this show idea to me last week, and I loved it so much because um, I've visited a few cities recently, and just seen kind of massive amounts of construction going on. And Vince uh, Shen, who hosts the Tuesday um, CG show, uh, he just came back from Austin, and he said that the skyline was just like a sea of cranes. And one of the biggest growth areas for construction is actually Southern California, which is where you are, Jason. So are you seeing much of a construction boom? Yeah, um, I, I am. Our, the, the city I live in is really weird. Um, they have such a, like crazy laws about expansion. Um, mm-hmm. But outside of my city, there's huge, there's huge demand. Uh, you know, the economy is pretty good in Southern California. It's tons of jobs, lots of high-paying jobs. So it's really, it's really good. You mentioned Texas. Um, my, my brother lives in San Antonio, and San Antonio is booming. Dallas is booming. Mm-hmm. Houston, bo- I mean, it's Texas is a real hotbed for home growth. Yeah, Southeast, absolutely. parts of Florida, the Carolinas, uh, around Atlanta, uh, booming. Mm-hmm. I mean, really huge. We'll, and we'll talk about where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to say, I've been a front runner here. I, I've been pounding the table on <laughs> for like two and a half years. I've been terribly early on a few, but I feel a little vindicated over the past year. And so you should. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So home building in the US has obviously been through a tumultuous decade or a couple of decades, um, Mm -hmm. in fact, with kind of the boom that preceded the Great Recession and then the bust that followed. Um, But now the industry is once again kind of this upward trend where residential construction continues to climb up and we have uh, a period of historically low inventory uh, for houses for home buyers, and it's about fourteen percent below demand. Um, so this is obviously an industry that's so closely watched as kind of a barometer for the health of the overall U.S. economy, um, mm-hmm. and kind of buyer confidence and builder confidence are really closely watched. How's the U.S. feeling towards home buying right now? So um, some in- some information actually that you shared with me uh, yesterday. It's interesting. It's the National Association of Home Builders. Uh, does a does a competent survey of um, of home builders and also does some survey. I think April's numbers uh, was seventy two, um, or Jan- January was seventy two, and April it was sixty nine. So it's come down a little bit, but that's still I think that's like ten year high area. Is, I mean, it's yeah. still relatively high. Yeah, absolutely. And then I I think that there is definitely, um, we've seen the same thing happen in the home buyer uh, index too. Like there is, there has been a slight decline, which has caused some of the stocks that we're talking about today to kind of dip so far this year um, over cause of kind of uh, buyer confidence. But actually, we're still at 10 year highs. So we, we need to kind of put these into perspective and say that there are you know, valid concerns being raised around kind of labor shortages and increasing costs. Um, but overall, I think the market is incredibly healthy. 
Well, and on the on the home buyer side, the National Association of Realtors is constantly doing surveys and releasing data. And one of the things that um, that their chief economist talks about regularly um, has talked about regularly for the past year is a lot of the confidence issues that that they see, negative aspects of you know buyer confidence they've seen are from young entry level home shoppers that just there's no inventory they can't find anything mm-hmm. um, so some of that negative aspect is simply an issue of lack of um, supply which is what the home builders are working to fix so absolutely there's that and uh, we kind of touched on this in the opener, but I find the geographical spread of this new construction fascinating. Um, it is focused on pockets, as you said, um, mm-hmm. just to go through some brief numbers. But for instance, in the fourth quarter of last year, Raleigh, North Carolina had the highest portion of new homes, followed by Austin, Texas, as we talked about, and Nashville. The most homes being built per capita, uh, Northport, Florida, Raleigh, North Carolina, Austin, Texas, and most about to begin, so this is looking at permits for new builds, is Houston, which you said, Dallas, which you also said, Phoenix, Arizona, and Seattle, Washington. Um, so just an incredible concentration uh, of growth going on in some of these areas. Right. Yep. And these are you know areas where a lot of these areas, are, there's actually an interesting thing. Um, one of the companies we're going to talk about, Meritage Homes, um, on the on their latest earnings call and in their latest release, it's it's not just first-time buyers. It's not just millennials. Which I mean, that's a huge, you know, secular trend of mm-hmm. millennials moving into the home buying market. It's the largest segment of the population. They're going to be driving housing sales for the next 20 years potentially. But Meritage Homes also said that they're seeing a lot of demand in their entry-level communities from retiring baby boomers who are downsizing. Mm-hmm. So it's creating kind of dual demand from two opposite ends of the of the age demographic. Very um, interesting. So if you in a lot of these these areas like parts of Florida, the Carolinas, Phoenix, those are areas that there are a concentration of retirees too. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's two two sources of demand that are good for housing right now. Yeah, and we're seeing house prices go up, um, obviously because we've got this historically low inventory, but then there is. Uh, industry headwinds in the form of labor and material cost. I think the average construction of a single family home increased 1.2% year over year and now stands at 244,000. Um, you know, lumber futures, we've talked about this, I think, uh, on previous shows about kind of the impact of the tariffs and um, lumber futures are up 27% just since the start of the year. Right. Um, we also have cost and availability of land and um there are some builders also struggling for credit on single-family properties. I think that's why you know we're seeing so many multifamily, you know, apartment buildings and things like that going up in cities. It's not just that it's an efficient use of space. I think also the credit is possibly more free-flowing for those um, projects. Yep. Um, so that's kind of like the situation as it stands. We've ov- we obviously talked about home builder confidence falling slightly. We definitely need to put that. Uh, in context of everything else that's happening here. Uh, inventory being constrained like this is kind of an economist's dream example um, of uh, causing the price increases. There is still going to be the demand there. As you said, we've got the dual uh, millennials looking for their first properties and baby boomers coming up and looking to downsize. It's creating this swell of demand for these smaller properties. And I think the average size of a new build has come down a lot since 2014. Um and, you know, people associate millennials, millennials with being cash strapped, but a lot of baby boomers have money to spend 
on um, these kind of forever homes that they're looking for. So it, it shouldn't be um, it shouldn't be as bad as some analysts would have us to believe. I think it's also important to remember that that um, housing is cyclical, right? So there will be you know if if the economy slows down a mm-hmm. little bit and we go through a you know a, a small period of recession, housing starts will drop, home sales will slow down, and it might go for a few quarters and then pick right back up, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, the, the, I think there's the key is that there's poten- a potential secular trend that could last, you know, 10 years in terms of strong, consistent, steady home builder growth, yep. uh, new, new home building growth with, you know, the occasional little blip on the radar. So investors mm-hmm. really should think about this with a true, you know, long-term multi-multi-year perspective and any downturn in the market would probably be more of a buying opportunity for any of any of these really high quality home builders versus, hey, I need to get out of this stock before it gets even worse. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first stock that you mentioned um, was NVR. Um, Mm -hmm. They focus on building luxury homes in Delaware, Maryland, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. They have three distinct brands, Ryan Homes, Envy Homes, and Heartland Homes. Um, They're actually the most expensive, I think, of the stocks that we're going to talk about today. Their P is at 24, but they're also the biggest. And uh, the past 12 months have seen the stock come up almost 50%. So um, great pick. But what exactly attracted you to NVR? So I've I've followed NVR for a few years, and you know, a typical hindsight bias. I'm kicking myself for having never bought the stock, even though I've been really interested in the company. Um, but the thing, so the reason NPR trades, or in, excuse me, NVR trades at you know a little higher valuation valuation than most of the home builders out there is it has a different model in terms of the way that it acquires properties, mm-hmm. uh, uses less leverage. Uh, your typical home builder, uh, these large home builders that build these big communities. You know, they want to own a, a, a pretty substantial amount of, of land that's ready to develop, you know, several years worth of, of potential land, you know, in their inventory. And that mm-hmm. requires a lot of debt for an asset that they're simply sitting on, that they're not getting any return on yet. Uh, it also creates more risk when those downturns do happen, that they could be left holding a ton of that they're not going to be able to develop as quickly. So interest expenses and things like that and higher leverage can be an issue. NVR um, uses a model that's more based on buying options. It'll typically put you know, around 10% down to hold the option to acquire um, a finished um, plot of land that it can then develop within a set period of time. So it doesn't have to take on the, all the debt and then service that debt for land that it might hold for two or three or four years before it actually develops. Mm-hmm. So because of that, it's certainly in a better position to ride out the downturns because it's not sitting on all this inventory that it can't leverage in any way. Um, and the downside is that you know it can increase its costs a little bit when there's a boom, when things are going really well. It may not be able to generate the highest potential profits, but the downside risk and the reduced leverage has proven that it's it's as the as the housing market's been really kind of weird over a lot of the past decade. Um, it's really proven a super a super effective model um, to 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 be a home builder. It is a clever model because presumably during economic downturns, um, people are going to be happier to accept less for the land. Are these previously agreed contracts, or is this just the right to buy at the set price at the time? 
There are options to buy. Options to buy. Okay. Yep. Um, so they've also been having – they had a great first quarter um, in, in a good time. <laughs> they had a 17% uptick on revenue year over year. They delivered top and bottom line growth. Um, and they, they've done this considering that the average selling price has dropped slightly. Uh, but as you know, we've just talked about, this is kind of this migration to the smaller format, uh, more easily accessible for millennials, uh, first-time homebuyers, and also um, retirees. Uh, so that kind of makes perfect sense. And and as you said, this is a really good stock if you're interested in the kind of secular trends around it, but you don't necessarily want the downside risks. Right. And so if you look at NVR's um, most recent quarter, uh, so Ryan Homes, uh, one of the one of their one of their operating units, the brands that they build under, is focused on the um, entry level market. If you look at their average selling prices and the average prices for for orders, um, those prices have come down. Um, and on one hand, so well, the average prices are falling. That's not good. But in, in this case, because the demand is in the in, in the entry level and the lower end of housing, that's an indicator that they're effectively shifting into that where that demand is going to be. So it's not a bad thing to see their housing price, their average sale price is dropping right now. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we love here is uh, kind of skin in the game, uh, inside ownership. And I think management uh, are required to own between 4 to 8% times their annual salary in stock um, yep. to ensure kind of a long-term focus on shareholder returns. So, you know, that's another tick in the box for MVR. Yep. Um, the next company is one that you've already mentioned is Meritage Homes. Mm-hmm. Um, much smaller, so their market cap is 1.8 billion. MVR, sorry, their market cap was 11.4 billion, um, and their stock is up again 17 and a half percent over the past year. Uh, lower P, uh, 13.4. So their strongest markets are in Arizona, California, Florida, and Texas, and they're having kind of a resurgence in Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee. So all these hot states that we've mentioned uh, already. Um, what is it the you like about Meritage? Yeah, you'll you'll notice a bit of a trend here with where these successful home builders are building their homes. <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt about that. So, so LGI, uh, excuse me, Meritage uh, founder led. So again, that the idea of skin in the game, and um, you want uh, companies that have a founder that's involved um, tend to tend to outperform the market. So the, again, things that I like about about Meritage, um, Meritage is the, is the is the one of these that I follow the longest. And actually started years ago, um, actually before I even started writing for the Molly Pool, um, when it was recommended in Stock Advisor years and years, years and years ago, um, I got really interested in the company. And a few years ago, um, <clears throat> the company made the decision to really prioritize entry-level housing. Um, and it's taking a little bit different approach. It's 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 you know, more traditional in terms of a little more leverage. Um, you know, owns around thirty-five thousand. Um, lots um, or controls because it does a few options, but mostly it buys lots. Um, but it also uh, has a focus on energy efficiency, um, you know, green standards and things like that. Uh, then in the past, it's used to increase its profitability by building in certain things that qualify it for certain tax credits. Mm-hmm. Um, that disappeared last year and then came back for a year in the tax bill retroactively. Uh, but it's something that, something that's very attractive to millennials that are interested in buying houses that are going to be more efficient, use less energy, and have these things included. So it really pairs well with its focus on entry level. And over the past several quarters, um, every every time the company has talked about its land acquisitions, it's pointed out the percentage of that new land that it's looking to build entry level homes on. And it's 
between 75 and 85% every time. So you're starting to see its margins are coming up uh, because when you build these entry-level communities, there's a lot less customization that happens. Mm -hmm. So when there's less customization, it can generally sell the houses at a higher margin. It's sales price may be lower, but there's more margin because you have less labor involved, less time delay to do the customization work and that sort of thing. Uh, and it also tends to build more of those houses on spec. In other words, it, it starts construction on the home without an order lined up from a, from a customer to buy it. Um, because there is less you know, customization that's going on, it's able to build more of these houses on spec. Um, so if you look over the past several quarters and the earnings releases, the presentation and, and read the, the conference call notes, you'll see that those, those things are paying off because margins are improving. Um, it's selling a higher percentage of its homes um, that it builds on spec. And it's, it's really, it's just, it's starting to pay off. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. Its earnings are growing at a really enormous rate. And, and I think in terms of a concentration of starter homes, it certainly is going to build more starter homes than NVR, which will still have a pretty large portion of its homes more in the luxury segment. Um, but it's really starting to, to pay off. Absolutely. They talked in their quarter, their first quarter earnings call about their live now communities. As they said, uh, single home models as low as 1,400 square feet. As a uh, resident of the D.C. metro area, 1,400 square feet would be wonderful. <laughs> Sounds enormous, right? Yeah. But, but that, I mean, that's like a 1,000 square feet smaller than the average um, new single mm-hmm. family freestanding home that's uh, been built over the past 10 years. They said they're planning to target 35 to 40% um, of their community, their community is located in the entry level by the end of this year. I think right now they're at twenty eight percent. Right, but don't hold me to that. But um, no, fantastic company, as you said, thirty three percent increase in pre tax earnings, um, higher home gross margins. Uh, they had a diluted earnings per share of a dollar and seven cents. So they're doing incredibly well. I would say you are right to keep have had your eye on them for so long. Yep, paying um, off. Uh, LGI is the last company we're going to talk about. Uh, again, they're another luxury home builder focused in Delaware, Maryland, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. Um, similar market cap to Meritage with uh, $1.5 billion. The past 12 months, this stock is up 124%, um, which seems incredible. <laughs> well, it is incredible. <laughs> it is incredible. Uh, what, what led to the run-up? So one thing I just want to mention, that the ticker is LGIH. Mm-hmm. Yes. For, for this one, because there is another <laughs> ticker that is LGI, uh, but it's for a fund. So let's let's make sure our listeners um, flocking know to a the fund. Difference there. Um, so so essentially, so LGI is the smallest of, of of the three, headquartered in Texas, by the way. So there's that trend <laughs> again. Um, but it's definitely the smallest of of the three. So in terms of uh, raw growth opportunity. Um, if, if management continues to execute the way they have, focusing again on this entry-level segment of the market, um, it has a you know a tremendous amount of upside. Um, so over the past year, it's really it's about a year and a half. Um, it just has grown at an enormous rate. And I'm sure you probably have it right in front of you um, in terms of the, the increased number of houses. Um, we're talking 50, 60 percent mm-hmm. uh, increase in sales and, and earnings. Um, it's just really grown like wildfire. It really has. Yeah, 
and and all of this, all of our the premise for a lot of this, as we've talked about, is kind of this: uh, there is fear around interest rate pressure and things like that. And but I we do believe that this combined demand um, from millennials and baby boomers is is going to really benefit these particular companies because of their focus on right. catering to this market. I think one thing too that's good to point out in terms of the 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 run that we've seen over the past year on the stocks is also a little bit of just kind of evaluation recovery. If you go back to, you know, this time last year, um, LGI and Meritage were trading very close to, I know LGI was trading for like six or seven times trailing oh, wow. earnings. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, you know, it's trading for 15 times earnings now. So it's not I mean, that's a little bit on, on the more expensive side for where home builders typically trade because of their, you know, their, their balance sheets and, you know, the leverage. But, you know, 15 times earnings for a company that grew <clears throat> its profits, you know, over 50% last year and is one of the smallest of the, of the, of the big corporate home builders is still pretty cheap for that kind of growth. Mm -hmm. um, I think Meritage trades for like 11 and a half times earnings. So it's, again, still pretty cheap for the kind of, of growth potential. Um, that you have there. So don't, nobody should think that they've missed out because these stocks have gone up so much in the past year. Absolutely. Um, so just to kind of re recap, this is a capital intensive and very cyclical uh, industry. So we're wanting a long-term investment plan uh, on these. Um, but we think that the, the little bit of a decline we've seen that started this year because of um, fears over uh, buyer and builder confidence and um, investment rate increases is slightly overblown and there's still plenty of opportunity in this market. Absolutely. Yeah. Interest rates are going to continue to climb, but we're still very cheap. If you mm -hmm. look at the, some of the historical average rates. Yep. Interest rates millennials, millennials are still going to want to move out of the basement. Is. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, perhaps, but maybe not. Um, is there anything uh, that we've missed that you want to let listeners know about? I don't think so. I think, again, the key things, you know, there's, there's still a tremendous pathway for growth um, from millennials and from, from boomers. It's, it's going to be cyclical, like you said, um, to, to focus on the long-term trends. Um, I think that's it. I'm just, at this point, I'm just repeating what you said without anywhere near the, the <laughs> beautiful way that you're able to speak. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know about that. But thank you so much uh, for being on the show with us and for bringing this fantastic idea and kind of educating us on these stocks um, today. Uh, that is it from us. If you would like to get in touch, please feel free to email us at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus. Thank you to Austin Morgan for producing the show. As always, the people on the program may own companies discussed and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Jason, I'm Sarah Priestley. Thanks for listening and fool on. Mm -hmm.